This is Mark Stein. After three years in COVID, Stan, it's time to get out of town. So join me on the 2023 Mark Stein Cruise, sailing from Italy to Croatia, Montenegro, Greece, for a full week of sun, sea, and civilizational collapse. I'll have special guests from around the world, from America, Canada, Australia, Britain, Europe, and we'll do all the things you like about the Mark Stein Show and Stein Online, but close up and on water. More details at steinonline.com or marksteincruise.com. The Stein Online Clubland Q&A begins right now. Welcome along, March 24th, 2023. It's a little later than usual, this side of the pond, 4 p.m. North American Eastern Time. That's 5 p.m. in the Canadian Maritimes, half past five in Newfoundland. Uh, and beyond the Americas, all is at the usual hour. Uh, it's 8 p.m. in London, 9 p.m. in Paris, 10 p.m. in Kiev. Hey, that was pretty good. Maybe my uh, mojo's returned. Uh, the 11th hour in Moscow, the 11th hour and a half in Tehran. For all you Newfoundlanders who moved to Iran for the half-hour time zone, 1.45 a.m. in Kathmandu for all you Iranians who moved to Nepal to check out the quarter-hour time zone. 4 a.m. in Singapore and Honkers. 7 a.m. in Sydney and Melbourne. 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning in Auckland. And lunchtime. Lunchtime. Saturday lunchtime. Shimmering in His Majesty's dominions across the Pacific. Oh, and it's uh, 11 p.m. Uh, in Kampala. Uh, capital city of Uganda, where National Tree Planting Day is drawing to a close. We'll have a song for National Tree Planting Day a little later, because let's face it, who doesn't like trees? Uh, well, to be honest, actually, I'm a bit treed out. I've spent half my life in a small New Hampshire township with 94% tree cover, and everyone thinks that in order to save the planet, we need to get it up to 97% tree cover. Anyway, wherever you are on this turbulent earth, this Ugandan tree planting day, this is Mark Stein back with you for the next 60 minutes or so for another Clubland Q&A. We have a few uh, Ugandan listeners, not as many uh, listeners as we do in Kenya. Uh, and I'm not sure we have much of a Ugandan contingent on this summer's uh, Mark Stein cruise, although you're more than welcome. Unless the captain is on an almighty bender, we won't be sailing uh, anywhere near Lake Victoria or indeed Lake Albert. But we are putting in at Croatia, Montenegro, the Greek islands. You're going to love it. Mr. Snurdley's joining us. And Michelle Buckman, plus Ava, Leilani, Dominique, Alexandra, Tal Backman, on and on. More details at MarkSteinCruise.com. I did three telly shows this week. 
uh, plus the special, but I'm still uh, suffering from exhaustion and shortness of breath after my two heart attacks. However, I'm determined to make it through the full hour. And as I always say, I'm still totally committed to staying alive long enough to be buried at sea on the Mark Stein cruise. That's my personal guarantee to you. Uh, Speaking of burial, Brexit was buried today with the signing of the so-called Windsor Framework. You'll have heard me talking about that with uh, Kate Hoey and Ben Habib and Phelan McAleer on our Brexit special, uh, whatever it was, uh, just under a week and a half ago, something like that. Um, and it was uh, Brexit was uh, more or less formally buried by the signing between the United Kingdom uh, and the European Union of this so-called Windsor framework. I'm <laughs> the name is ludicrous. The king has left his let his uh, dynastic name uh, attach to it. But I'll tell you something. It does actually make the whole central conceit of the prisoner of Windsor, which is going to be out in hardback uh, next month, April. Uh, You you may recall my audio adventure, uh, The Prisoner of Windsor, in Tales for Our Time. It does make the central conceit of the Prince's Prince of Windsor amazingly accurately predicted by me. Basically, the United Kingdom has been reduced to some ramshackle protectorate of the European Union. They used to say, you know, only Nixon can go to China. Well, only the Tories can screw you over on Brexit, just as only Paul Ryan, as Speaker of the House, can totally undermine the Trump agenda. You know, uh, it's the the um, the lefty parties, the Labour Party in the UK and the Democrats in the US and the liberals in Canada at least can say, well, look, we believe in all this crap. <laughs> What's really getting to me is so-called right of centre parties that don't do anything right of centre. It's almost like they don't really believe in it. Um what else is in there? Oh, in Ireland, in Mullingar. Uh, speaking of Ireland, that was uh, weaponized. Uh, the Irish question was weaponized in order to subvert and then destroy Brexit very cleverly by Brussels. Uh, in Ireland, in Mullingar, a town I have known my entire life, uh, the locals are currently, right now, obstructing the delivery of various migrants. Migrants. To their, that's to say, military age, uh, young Mohammedan types. Uh, the, 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 they're protesting their delivery to uh, their town, uh, and uh, and good luck to them. Uh, under the banner, Ireland is full. As you may know, this was supposed to be the week that Trump got arrested, and Trump didn't get arrested. It was also the week that I announced I'm suing Ofcom. And rather like uh, the death of Brexit, uh, they're all part of the same story, too. It's about the bounds within in which you're allowed to operate. And so uh, whether it, we're talking about politics or the media, if you wander too far in this direction or that direction, you're, 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 you're done. So 
the Trump arrest didn't happen. They're saying it may happen next week or it may not happen at all. Uh, but my suit against Ofcom is definitely happening. Before I go any further, I, I, I don't like to get this cranky this early in the show. And I know people mean well. But when I listen to people saying, oh, are you going to do a crowdfunding campaign? That way I'll support you. Are you out of your bleeping mind, as Ava Velardinger broke would say? <laughs> uh, dear old, we had to bleep Ava uh, the other night because she uh, she was working blue, as the nightclub cons- comedians say. And she used the F word. And people, I don't think people like the idea of a nice young lady like Ava using the F word, although some people did. They said they wanted to hear Ava using the F word. Anyway, uh, I don't use the F word, so what, what can I do instead as I'm getting cranky this early? Oh, I'll swear in... I'll tell you what, just for Ava, I'll swear in Dutch. Hot for dumber! Are you completely stupid? Crowdfunding! Crowdfunding! Crowd, hot for dumber! Crowdfunding! Didn't, did nobody pay attention to what happened? with the Canadian truckers, right? They crowdfunded on GoFundMe, a lot of money, 10 million bucks. And then GoFundMe said, oh, oh, we're not sure about this, so we're not going to distribute the uh, $10 million until we find out what it's going to be going towards. Right? You got that? And then... Uh, after the uh, Canadian truckers pushed back on that and after they'd heard from uh, various governmental bodies, in, not just in Canada but in the US, they then announced that they were going to be giving the 10 million bucks to charities of their choice. And after some pushback on that, they then said, oh, no, 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 we'll return the money. So like weeks after, somebody just put this in after Bethan Nodwell was on this show. Somebody tweeted that. Oh, Bethan, I love seeing you on the Mark Stein show. Uh, I tried to send you 50 quid from the UK, uh, but it came back months later, say from, uh, you know, whatever they're called, go, go fund me, saying uh, they weren't going to give it to you. So they, they gave it back. OK, so that's one of the. So then somebody started up a non because. Look, you crowdfunding types, the crowdfund, the GoFundMe hates you. If you fall off the roof while putting, uh, reshingling it, and you fall off the gable and you die, uh, they'll let you raise 300 bucks for some cheapo funeral. That they'll do. But they're not going to let you raise 10 million bucks for anything you care about that. And if you don't know that after what happened to the Canadian truckers, because there were two uh, crowdfunding agencies. They raised 10 million on GoFundMe, which is like the Google or the YouTube of crowdfunders. So that's all lefties. They're not going to let you raise 10 million for anything you care about. So then uh, another one started up, MeFundGo. That's not the Google of crowdfunding. That's the parlor of crowdfunding. You remember parlor? Mark Levin and Dan Bongino saying, Mark Levin saying, I'm moving over to parlor. Everyone's moving to parlor. We're giving up on Twitter. We're moving to parlor. Then it turned out parlor was utterly dependent on Apple. I'm getting cranky too early. Hot for dumber. Um, uh, Apple and... Uh, it was utterly dependent on Apple and Amazon. So if you're still on parlor... How are you doing in there? Is it lonely? Has everyone gone away, wandered back to Twitter? 
So the other one, so we've got GoFundMe, which said it wasn't going to give the 10 million bucks to the truckers. Then it decided it was going to give the 10 million bucks to charity. Then it said, no, we'll return it. But, you know, after the usual processing fee and taking three, four, five, seven months or whatever to return the money. Uh, Then we have the other one, the one that's supposed to be the parlor to GoFundMe's Twitter, MeFundGo. And somebody managed to hack into that. They raised another $10 million on MeFundGo or whatever it's called. And then they, somebody hacked in and released all the names of all the donors. So people who'd given 20 bucks to the Canadian truckers uh, suddenly found they had the government in their bank accounts. The government leaned on in Canada. The government had the banks freeze them. So here, I don't want to go rehearsal that again, but I'm saying... For the umpteenth bloody time, these people, the platform, oh, why are you on this platform? Why are you on that? These platforms are not your friends. GoFundMe is not your friend. We don't do, I don't need to do crowdfunding. I've been through this on the Michael Mann suit, which is now uh, about to enter its 12th year. And I would have been out of business uh, a decade ago. But fortunately, people uh, bought Stein. Uh, gift certificate, Stein Online gift certificates. I have my own merchant processor. I don't need, I haven't fallen off the roof and I'm needing burial. My loved ones need 300 bucks to put me in the ground. Uh, that may become, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll attend to that problem. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, but the merchant processor at Stein Online we have gift certificates. We have club memberships. I do the same amount of club content regardless of whether we have 100 members or a million members. So give a friend a gift. I'm not a charity and I'm not asking for charity. I'm fighting a lawsuit and I'm determined to take that lawsuit as far as it needs to go. I don't know where that is. The European Court of Human Rights, I guess, whatever it is. But I'm, I, I'm, the Ofcom business is serious business. It's about litigating the disastrous control of the media for the last three years. And, and the best way you can do that, help me on that, is not to go to some for-profit, you know, the GoFundMe guys are billionaires because they started Go, GoFundMe. So where, where do you think, how do you think they became billionaires? Well, oddly enough, they became billionaires from the percentage they take of all the money the Rube Wright gives to them. Uh, as I said, don't normally get this cranky this early in the show, but if you, you know, I'm, uh, a, a Stein Club gift membership is good because, you know, you might convert a friend or you might know a friend who might, you might like to go three or four extra steps. Get them a Stein Club gift membership or get them a Stein uh, online uh, gift certificate or get them uh, my new book, as I said, out next uh, month, The Prisoner of Windsor, in which I uncannily predict the state of Britain that the bozos uh, who came up with the Windsor framework have just signed on to today. OK, in a cranky mood already, let us get to your questions. <laughs> and as I said, I may swear in Dutch again now that uh, Ava has taken to swearing in English.
on our show. Uh, but you know how this works. Anyone, the 8 billion people across this planet is free to listen. And we hope at least 6.5 billion of you are listening right now. If you all bought a gift certificate, uh, I would be able to take this to uh, the European Court of Human Rights. Uh, you only need to be a Stein Clubber to ask me a question. And we've had a good crop of new members this week. So I hope few of you will want to go ahead and toss in a brain scratcher, head scratcher. Is a head scratcher or a brain scratcher? Uh, I can't remember now. If you're Michael Jackson, it's a crotch scratcher. Uh, anyway, let's get to it. Nicola Timmerman says, what do you think of the sucking up to Joe Biden in Ottawa today? <laughs> what have the Democrats ever done for Canada? Is that is that a line out of uh, the Monty Python film? Uh, Nicola, um, you're right. Joe Biden's in Ottawa. As a matter of fact, he's staying in the same hotel as our friend and the senior producer of The Mark Stein Show, Andrew Lawton, <clears throat> um, which can't be much fun for Andrew. Uh, he was complaining uh, earlier this morning that at the breakfast buffet, you know, he'd just woken up and stumbled downstairs to the breakfast buffet, and Joe Biden was down there and uh, started uh, sniffing his hair as he was trying to get the scrambled egg. So it's not it's not good. Joe Biden's been on inevitable form. He started by uh, in his speech by confusing China and Canada, and I know there are going to be people who say that's a sign of his cognitive decline. But in fact, it's actually incredibly easy these days to confuse China. And Canada. So close is Justin's admiration for uh, China's, quote, basic dictatorship. They always suck up to, you know, it's the condescension. I, I, I remember uh, uh, George W. Bush arriving in Quebec City for the summit of the Americas, and he was greeted by Jean Chrétien. This is 20 years ago. And uh, Jean Chrétien goes, Bienvenue. That means welcome, you know, condescending little. T I tell you, there's no chance Joe Biden knows what bienvenue means, is there? But somehow the fact that they've got some brain dead husk of a moth eaten suck pu sock puppet staggering around Ottawa doesn't seem uh, to bother them. You're right. Uh, here's what's interesting, though. You know what I find? Joe Biden wants to run again. And the chances are he's going to, unless something really bad happens in the next year and a half, the chances are he's going to get to do that. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Similarly, you would think on the other side, if these never-Trumpers, starting with, uh, did I mention Paul Ryan? Yeah, I think I did. Paul Ryan, who said he's not going to go to the convention if... Um, if, if Trump is the nominee. By this day, I, I've lived in New Hampshire a long time now, and I tell you, I always hate uh, this time of the quadrennial cycle because you normally you can't go down to the general store without bumping into a presidential candidate. And generally speaking, uh, the only kind of presidential candidates who set foot in my town are the hopeless loser ones. I'm talking about, you know, Lamar Alexander and uh, and uh, Orrin Hatch and all the others I've seen across the last three decades. 
Uh, but they're not around this time. There are no declared candidates. There are no, uh, you know, there's Trump and then there's uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. I think we mentioned him the other the other week. Uh, I was asked about him and said I didn't, I'd sat across the table from him at dinner with Tucker. Seemed a nice enough fellow, but he's not a congressman. He's not a senator. He's not a governor. Where are they all? If Trump is as dead as Paul Ryan giggling away about not attending the convention suggests, then why isn't everybody uh, leaping in? It's a very weird. By now, my general store ought to be full of loser presidential candidates, and I have no idea where they are or what happened uh, to them. Uh, Matt from upstate New York says, it seems to be an article of faith that if Trump is arrested, it will guarantee him the nomination and even the White House. I'm not convinced, but what do you think, Mark? Well, I think I've said this. Where, where did I did I say this on TV? Or I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't think that's. I don't really think that's how it works. Um, if Trump is going to be the Grover Cleveland of the 21st century, he's going to need better people around him. Now he had nobody around him in 2015. That's why he was great. He had Hope Hicks, and he had Corey Lewandowski. That was it. He didn't have anybody else. And his instincts were great. They were eccentric and they were uh, undisciplined. You know, they drove Karl Rove nuts because he didn't do the things politicians are meant to do. He'd, he'd, he'd start talking about the Iranian nuclear program and then he'd divert into talking about how Macy's stock had tanked because they don't carry Trump ties anymore. And, uh, and so he had no message discipline as Karl Rove. So well, message discipline is what has made American politics so bloody boring and so robotic and so divorced from reality. And, uh, you know, Marco Rubio, oh, uh, we need a second American century. You know, oh, wait a minute. Could you get on with uh, not uh, running the pride flag up the embassy pole in Kabul and then being run out of town by goat herds with fertilizer? You know, it's all rubbish. Ninety five percent of politicking. I'm not. uh, It's just theater and it's bad theater. Uh, and Trump was never better than when he had no entourage. And I know that because I went backstage uh, when I went to see him in Vermont and I went backstage and there was nobody there except um, uh, Hope Hinks, Corey Lewandowski and some guy who'd got to the quarterfinals on The Apprentice. And you go and see these losers who are going nowhere and they're, they're surrounded by – you can't get near them because there's 57, uh, uh, 57 strong entourage around them uh, fining and refining and honing the, the stump speech. Trump now has an entourage, but the entourage are full of third raters that he needs to dump uh, because if he's going to be Grover Cleveland, these guys aren't going to do it for him. And – uh, I, I, hate, I say that as someone who is ahead of almost anybody. In pre- Trump, with Trump, it's the combination, um, a personality that can punch through. So he's not always on the defensive. He's not always apologizing for everything. He's not always backing down. It's the combination of Trump and the Trump issues. And, the, and I'm not persuaded by the – and I miss the Trump. I miss the Trump of 2015 
something awful. Uh, Chris Davis says, Mark, how much longer do you give the dollar as the global reserve currency with U.S. national debt a mere $32 trillion? Yeah, I think I, uh, under, I, think I misspoke and said it was only $31 trillion the other day. And the Chicom's owing a growing percentage of U.S. Treasury debt. It's only a question of when. Still, what's more important, diversity, equity and inclusion or macroeconomic credibility? A hot war with Russia will further accelerate the dollar's demise. Has someone told Biden they are not goat herds with fertilizer. Actually, a hot world war with Russia might accelerate the dollar's demise, but this phony war with Russia using Ukraine as a proxy is actually keeping the American order together for a bit longer, I would say, because uh, in a sense, uh, America, you know, if there's two teams with Russia leading one team and then there's a Western team led by America, that kind of keeps the dollar in play. But look, how much longer do you give the dollar as the global reserve currency? It shouldn't be the global reserve currency now. There's nothing holding it up. Uh, And it became the global reserve currency after whatever it was, the 1944 Bretton Woods conference by, uh, is it 1944 or were there 44 allies in attendance? Might even be both. Uh, But at the Bretton Woods conference at the Mount Washington Hotel in New Hampshire, and I've been in the room where they all sat and it always annoys me because they've got one of these terrible, dis- you know, and historic display. All your en- the room is being kept just as it was when all the world powers sat around the table, and of course it isn't. They've got all the wrong- like they they've got the maple leaf for the Canadian seat. Uh, the Canadian that didn't become the Canadian flag until twenty years after the war. So they should be flying the red ensign, and then uh, likewise they've got the Indian flag. Uh, for where India sat instead of India's red ensign. So it drives me mad, that. Drives me mad. But no one, if they had a Bretton Woods conference today, would make the US dollar the global reserve currency. So it's running on fumes, and it's running from an historical, uh, from an historical event that it has outlasted. Uh, so it shouldn't be the conference. So the only... Uh, the only uh, a question is, when does the formal renunciation of the dollar as reserve currency, uh, when does that catch up to the underlying reality? And the answer to that is that will probably be determined by China in alliance with other American enemies, which is why it's interesting. It's always interesting. Chairman Xi and Putin were together a couple of days ago, and Chairman Xi says uh, to Putin, we're coming up to one of those once-in-a-century realignments uh, of of the global order. And you think, oh, wait, wait a minute, that sounds interesting. Uh, uh, what does he mean by that? It doesn't get mentioned on any of the news channels, ABC, CBS, and it doesn't get mentioned. But uh, he, he, Chairman Xi actually came and said, he's like he's dropping a hint that the moment when he yanks the rug out of the dollar is coming sooner than you think. Uh, John Wilson writes, Hey, Mark, which high-ranking Democrats should the Republicans arrest right after Trump is arrested? Let's go full banana republic since they started it. Ah, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Uh, Because otherwise, 
Hillary would be the one on Truth Social uh, putting out messages saying that she thinks she's going to be arrested on Tuesday. Hunter Biden would be the one. Uh, there was a guy today, uh, was it today or yesterday, the, uh, they had the ATF. That's one of these federal agencies that would seem on the face of it to be superfluous uh, because it would seem to be covered by what the FBI does or whatever. But they created a special Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms and the head honcho is being quizzed by a Republican and says, uh, is... Uh, lying on your uh, application form uh, and a, uh, a criminal act. And he said, oh, yeah, you can get uh, 15 years in jail for that. And then the guy's next question, very clever, is, uh, oh, in that case, why isn't uh, Hunter Biden serving his 15 years in jail right now? It's different. There's no equality before the law in the United States. We all know that. We all know that. You look at uh, Biden boasts on camera that he's leaning on uh, he's leaning on foreign prosecutors to lay off his son. He's on camera boasting about it. Does he get impeached like Trump gets impeached? supposedly for uh, asking a question about the Bidens to uh, Zelensky in Ukraine? No, he doesn't. There's no equality before the law. And that's, again, uh, don't want to go all don't wave your constitution at me. But if it's don't forget, all this stuff has happened under the Constitution. And, and this is a particularly important point. If you don't have equality before the law, you don't actually have a constitution. Because if the constitution and its checks and balances only applies to some of the people and not to others of the people, then it's not a constitution uh, at all. Okay, let us pause from the hell of the passing Shari Vary for a little music. Bobby Caldwell died this month. Do you know his name? He was a singer-songwriter of what they call Blue-Eyed Soul and uh, Rhythm and Blues, and his songs were recorded by all the biggest stars, Vanessa Williams, Boys to Men, Michael Bolton, Dionne Warwick, Natalie Cole, Peebo Bryson, The Captain and Tennille. Uh, and that's grand, but those songs are not uh, particularly my bag. Uh, but then in middle age, Bobby Caldwell did what a lot of guys have been doing in recent decades, and he made a standards album. They were a predictable set of songs, Come Fly With Me, I Get a Kick Out of You, I've Got You Under My Skin. Uh, and it just seemed to me like the lamest Sinatra karaoke with no emotional investment or point of view. And then halfway through, a song popped up that I didn't know. And I glanced at the credits and found that it was by Mr. Caldwell Louis Mem. Uh, and uh, I rather liked it in a kind of uh, lilac wine kind of way, if you heard our Serenade radio show on that song a couple of months back. So this is an R&B, blue-eyed soul guy uh, writing a standard-type song. Bobby Caldwell April Moon. This is a story I've wanted to tell. I was left for a handsomer guy. All I could do was wish them both well. 
April Moon, my baby left me with nothing. You know the ropes. Can't you do something to restore my sanity? Ah, we all know the ropes. Words, music, arrangement and vocals by Bobby Caldwell, who died in New Jersey just over a week ago. This is Mark Stein's Clubland Q&A, live around the planet. It is, let me see, what is it, 26 minutes to nine Greenwich Mean Time. Let us get back to your questions and comments. Patrick Gagan says, Dear Mark, Thomas Sowell used to write about the point of no return for the United States. Are we at that point? $31 trillion in debts, a $6 trillion budget for 2023. What comes next? Dark ages? I see nothing good in the near future for myself and my fellow citizens. That trillion, $6 trillion budget, you know, it'd be... <laughs> Well, it wouldn't really, but for the purposes of argument, let's just say uh, it'd be fine spending $6 trillion on anything if you spent it 
on anything. But you have nothing to show for the $6 trillion or for the $31 trillion in debt. It's not as if there are new Hoover dams. It's not as if there are new Keystone pipelines. It's not as if there are new Golden Gate bridges. There's nothing except paperwork shuffling. A point I brought up uh, when I was talking to Peter Schiff on the Stein Show earlier this week, uh, you know, 40% of Americans do crappy service jobs that are about to be rendered obsolete by technology. And a lot of the ones who are left do these cubicle jobs, which again are not in the business of any primary wealth creation. Basically, uh, however I put it to Peter, you know, oh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm processing a 1099, and then when I've done that, I'll send you a reciprocal W-8 or whatever the hell it is. You know, um, so it, it's, so the point about points of no return is that there have been points of no return before, but we just keep pressing on and pressing on. And at some point... You know, the uh, famous line uh, by Ben Stein's dad that if if uh, something can't go on forever, it won't. It will come to a stop. Well, they've been defying that now for decades. And and the, the longer you defy it, the longer you think that that you can keep doing it forever. But but basically the the. A point I made with Dellingpole, the the entire Western world seems less and less important now. And the assumption, not I'm not talking here about China and Russia, but the assumption of uh, India, Brazil and other places is that the post-American world is underway and whether or not you wanted it, uh, you have to be prudent and adjust to it. Uh, Norman Fenton writes, Norman, actually, we should probably get Norman on the Mark Stein show one of these days. It'd be a good idea. Mark, keen to hear what you think about the fact that Professor Sir David Spiegelhalter boasted that he was one of the people who formally complained to Ofcom about your show. Also, why do you think a so-called conservative government in the UK allowed so many Marxist academics as well as communist Susan Mitchie to dominate the SAGE committees, which, surprise, surprise, pushed so hard for Marxist-type authoritarian measures during COVID? Um, I'll come to that. The, the Professor Sir David Spiegelhalter thing, I'm not sure I was entirely aware of that, but the um, we're going to court, so I don't want to give away uh, too many theories of the case beforehand. But the the fact of the matter is that the vaccine. Let, let it. Let I hate even having to put it like this, but let us put to one side. Jules Serkin, whom I was talking to on TV on Wednesday, and Joe's dad, who it was the second anniversary of his death yesterday. Let us put aside for the moment all these people. Let us put aside the collapsed fertility rates in heavily vaccinated societies. Let us uh, put aside the a uh, huge number of excess deaths, even in 
countries where they had such a strong quarantine that nobody could get into them to infect anybody with the COVID. So they have, like Australia and New Zealand, you have low rates of COVID death and then super high rates of death since you decided to vaccinate everybody. Let's put all that to one side. Even if they weren't killing and crippling people, these vaccines would still be one of the biggest duds in the history of public health. They don't do anything they're meant to do. It's not just that if you take the vaccine, you don't, uh, you don't get the disease and you don't spread the disease to other people. But it's that uh, when you get onto some of these third booster and fourth boosters, the the uh, statistics of which Sir David Spiegelwanker ought to be uh, informed actually suggest uh, that you're increasing your risk of getting the disease. So we'll do all that. We'll do all that in court. As as to and I'm serious about this because I had no idea, and I'm not speaking. As, a, um, as an American resident, where, as you know, the United States is the land of the First Amendment and you can say this and say that, supposedly, I'm, t- I'm actually saying as a Canadian, I'm horrified at the control of the media narrative in the UK. Uh, all these people, you know, they, they, they present as bland, insipid ninnies but they'd actually do a ruthless job, people like Philip Schofield, of, of absolutely controlling the narrative. And we will get it. And as to why, and it's because, to tie to the other point of your question, Norman, because conservatives never push back against that, because as, just as you have phony conservative politicians like Paul Ryan and the Tory party that's just killed the Brexit. So you have phony conservative media operations. For example, the compliance officer at GB News for Ofcom is actually a former director of Ofcom, Nick Pollard. So he's basically Ofcom's man in the building. As I said, I don't want to get into my theory of the case, but there'll be more about that you know, when we when we take it to trial. But the, because conservatives never push back on this thing, this is the same because they think, oh, they're, oh, it's fantastic. We've got an 80 seat majority. OK, well, everyone around you is trying to undermine you doing anything with that 80 seat majority, which is why the 80 seat majority ushered in the most useless non-conservative conservative government ever. And I'm not just talking about the UK. I'm speaking of elsewhere in His Majesty's dominions, too. And uh, having Marxist academics on these committees, for a start, mortgaging any real concern. Boris, what really sickens me about Boris, I because he's always been like this, and we all thought it was a terrific joke in the 1990s and all that he's lazy, he's too busy shagging uh, to ever, you know, have enough energies uh, for his executive uh, powers. Uh, So he pretends now to be the recreation of Churchill. One of Churchill's clearest things was that he didn't want rule by experts, by people. uh, And that's even before you get to the situation here where all the experts are Marxists and commies. The minute 
uh, as Kathy Gingell likes to put it, it was basically Boris Johnson who killed what was left of UK democracy. In all those press conferences where, you know, Parliament's doing nothing, Parliament's the occasional Zoom call, the Cabinet's doing nothing. Every so often he brings Jacob Rees-Mogg and the rest of the toads round the table to get them to rubber stamp whatever. But all the key decisions... He's standing there flanked by, what are, what are they called, Valance and uh, Witty, these overnighted, you know, it's, it's the, it, it's, it was bad for, it was bad for democracy. It was bad for free speech. It was bad for freedom of movement. It was bad for freedom of association. It was bad for freedom of religion. It was bad for the freedom to have your granny over for Christmas. So that's one reason why uh, we're going to court is to at least get a legal ruling repudiating the garbage of the last three years. Michael Cavino says, Hi, Mark. Wonderful to see that your health is improving each week. And I'm really enjoying the post-Ofcom Mark Stein show. As you've noted many times on the air, the legal system in America is sclerotic. How long do your barristers think the... Oh, <laughs> I've got a solicitor and a barrister. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be needing any more than that. How long do they think the legal case against Ofcom will last? Assuming there are appeals, uh, are depositions expected in the suit? I don't know whether they have depositions. My memory is that depositions aren't really a terribly English thing, although I've greatly been enjoying the depositions in the Dominion suit against Fox News. Or this uh, other one, uh, this this lady's brought claiming that uh, Tucker has a, a picture of um, Nancy Pelosi in a, a plunging bathing suit in his office in New York. To best of my knowledge, Tucker's never used that office in uh, New York. The, the the person who has used it is me. It's a very large office. And there's uh, and T Tucker's never actually got anything. Uh, he's never been in there long enough to put any things of his there. So there's no, you know, photographs of the of the kids or whatever. Um, so people don't think of it as Tucker's <laughs> office. And I won't mention her name because she's a big, big star at Fox. But uh, she was going to come on the show when I was guest hosting. And there was some problem, and they wanted me to talk her. Uh, back into coming on the show, which I did successfully. But anyway, she came to see me in what she thought was, quote, my office. <laughs> and uh, you could see she was like looking around thinking, wait a minute, this is just some crap Canadian guest host who comes in here once every three. Why has he got an office this side? <laughs> anyway, um, uh, it's not going to last. I don't th I think it'll be we've got sort of a couple of different ways to go, uh, both of which wind up in the King's Bench Division of the High Court. And um, when and uh, once we're determined, we had like a sort of, you know, cookie cutter, nuts to you uh, letter from uh, Ofcom today. And once we've determined on which of those uh, possible ways to go we're going to go, then we'll be, uh, I think, in and out of there fairly, fairly quickly. So I don't think it's not going to be 12 years like the ludicrous Michael Ma which uh, <laughs> which reminds me. That's why I don't want to go. The, you know, the, they're, f they're for profit 
these crowdfunders are for-profit guys. You know, so if you go to GoFundMe, they get their take. If you buy a Stein Online gift certificate, 100% of it goes to getting this thing in and out of the king's bench uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, Johnny Woodrow said, so, oh, you know, uh, Stein Club gift membership or a copy of The Prisoner of Windsor, whatever you want to do. Johnny Woodrow. But I don't want to, I can't get, I'm just going to come back to this. What it, I'm not asking you to go back to the day. I'm not asking you to go back to 1897, although I was pretty happy in 1897. I was young and it was Queen Victoria's Diamond Jubilee. And uh, and I got uh, had a grand old time and I got to go home with a serving wench from a pub in the Whitechapel Road. It was fantastic. I'd love to go back to 1897. Uh, but I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just asking to go back to the day before yesterday, about a decade ago, when there weren't all the oh platforms. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, don't go to GoFund, uh, GoFundMe because uh, they'll freeze all uh, your money and then eventually return it to you uh, months later. And don't go to MeFundGo because they'll get hacked. Uh, and then it won't just be your GoFundMe trucker donation that gets frozen, but your whole bank account will be be frozen uh, so your ex-wife will be on the phone yelling to you all the time because she hasn't had the child support which is we had a guy he was in that situation we interviewed him on the show how, how why do we have to keep why oh i'd love well wouldn't it be super if we could all have a nice big crowdfund yeah they're not on your side right the guys i've survived Back when, you know, we have virtually nothing, no part of our operation is within woke world. So uh, we can't be shut down for being insufficiently woke. We're, we're multiple Maybe people don't know this, but there are multiple countries, people in multiple countries who all come together and put together this website and its operations. And that's one reason why we haven't been screwed over. But after the Canadian truckers, if you, oh, let's have a go crowdfunding, you'd have to be crazy to do that. By the way, I'll say why, you know, the minute it was because Justin saw the Canadian truckers as a direct threat to him that he acted. It is, it is, uh, I'm, I'm suing a UK state agency. And in fact, according, you know, to, as I said, there's different ways to go on this, but we may actually be, uh, you know, we may actually be serving his majesty's government itself. So if you think that those crowdfunders, oh yes, we're going to, he's, uh, we, we're going, we're not going, they, we're going to wait till we've got $10 million from anti-vaxxers and then we'll do what we did to the Canadian truckers over the self-same issue. Because there are so many members of the Rube Wright who think that, uh, oh, if we just do that, maybe these people will like us. They hate you. They want you dead. They not for anything important. It doesn't matter what your hardcore beliefs on small government are. They they want you dead just because you misgendered uh, somebody with a faint touch of five o'clock shadow uh, three months ago. Johnny Wood, cranky, cranky, shouldn't be getting cranky. Johnny Woodrow says we're experiencing the lethal suppress. This is. Uh, a, a, a good point, and it relates to what we're going to court about, re-Ofcom. 
We're experiencing the lethal suppression of risk in the West in the name of safety. It's not at root woke thinking that is tearing up reality. The elites are in the grip of a long-fermenting Western obsession with safety and mitigating risk in all aspects of life, biological, financial, political, cognitive, informational, identity, word and deed. Woke thinking is just one more method for inventing risk. Like a mother with Munchausen's by proxy, the regulatory state invents ways of keeping us as permanently in need of treatment and protection from risk. Mark, Ofcom is our thought nurse protecting us from being put at risk by thoughts we shouldn't have. The result when it comes to vaccines is lethal, says Johnny Woodrow. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure it's about it's to do with the elites. I think the elites know that uh, safetyism is very a very potent weapon in persuading people to accept a reduction in their freedoms. Freedom of any kind exposes you to risk. The more the more you're free to travel, the more you're likely to go where so, somewhere where you'll be at risk. So isn't it nice of them to start coming up with these 15-minute cities so we'll never go anywhere except places we already know where we know a little about the risk? But I think actually a lot of the risk is to do with what's happened to us. I think one of the reasons, uh, you know, Ukraine is a little different because that's a war being fought by two countries with deathbed fertility, basically. But in Afghanistan, NATO versus the goat herds with fertilizer. The goat herds don't just have fertilizer. They have a whole big bunch of children, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, just like uh, Catholics in Quebec did a couple of generations ago. Uh, but we've all we've forgotten that. So now you have one set of uh, one one side of the war, one party. They have uh, families where they just have one designer child at thirty-seven or thirty-eight or whatever. Don't have a lot of kids, and so naturally preserving. If you remember, this was the premise of uh, saving Private Ryan, that they had to go and get Private Ryan because all his brothers had been killed. So it wouldn't be fair for his parents to have no kids if the last surviving kid was killed. That was the premise of Saving Private Ryan. We all sat there and thought, oh, what a wonderful film. Steven Spe- we don't then realize how that plays out in Afghanistan when you've got, say, a German couple who are there for Na- with just one kid who's over in Afghanistan for NATO. Uh, and if he's, if he's killed, then they, that German couple has got no children, no children left. So this is, I think things like that impact how you fight wars, how you, how you, and we know, as I've said many times, the American way of, way of war doesn't work. Uh, but the interesting thing is always trying to figure out the psychological impulses about why it doesn't work. And I think one of the ways we react to war or to COVID the way we do is because we're simply very old. And you talk about risk. Old societies are, uh, are, are more risk averse 
there there you become more cautious about you don't whatever it you it, it's not generally speaking old people who invent things for example and so old societies such as the japanese tend to become less innovative uh, but they also become more risk averse. And that I think we have seen this play out where we, the small number of children we do have across the Western world, we were prepared to sacrifice in order to protect uh, granny and grandpa from a disease whose median age right now in the UK is five or six years over UK life expectancy. So in other words, in order to protect granny and grandpa from a killer disease that kills you above your life expectancy rate anyway, we were prepared to sacrifice a generation of children. And then granny and grandpa died anyway because they were shut up in the old folks' home uh, without being able to be visited by anyone and they felt depressed and miserable and they died anyway. Simon Arnold says, Hi Mark, I can't believe the kerfuffle. I, that's the first kerfuffle on today's show, Simon. Congratulations. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, what, do we, what does he win? The fully loaded Prius? What is it? Well, we ought to find something for it. Uh, no, he won't want my cat album. I don't, think, I don't think he's in the mood for that. Anyway, we ought to give a prize for the first kerfuffle on today's show. I can't believe the kerfuffle going on in France over the increase in the pension age. Lefties and anarchists did nothing when Islamists were shooting people. Why do you think that is? Well, again, it, become, it comes down to the calculation of risk. Uh, OK, you switch on the TV and some guy is going Allahu Akbar and he's got a rental car and he's riding it up on the pavement and he's mowing down uh, a dozen people congregating for a Christmas market. And you think, oh, my God, that's terrible. But, but... I've calculated the odds and I think I can still go to my Christmas market and there's a pretty good chance I won't be run over or stabbed uh, by some excitable Mohammedan. The change in the pension age, whatever it is, from 45, increasing it to 47, whatever it is, uh, that affects everybody. And uh, and so, you know, that's going to he, Macron is just basically told you you're going to be working an extra couple of years and you're annoyed with that. And I, I made this point, you know, people say to people, I initially started commending the French method of getting in the street and getting in the politicians faces. And we've seen some towns now where the riot police are refusing to police these things because they don't want to turn the water cannon and the batons on their fellow citizens. I wasn't talking about the issues there. I was just saying that, you know, if you want to protest, big time protest, you've got to get out there in the numbers that the French do because the French generally get results. But I will make another point going back I guess I first made it in the Telegraph 15, uh, 15 years ago. That uh, that societies have the right to try and live uh, the way they want. The French rejected 
the so-called European Constitution. And I congratulated them on doing that. And then the Guardian and the Independent or whoever it was say, well, Stein, you missed the point. They don't support you. They're not some crazed national sovereignty, small government loon. They're, uh, they're protesting it because they think the European Union is a threat to them retiring at 47 with full benefits and all the rest of it. And I said, no, you're missing the point. That's why we have countries. That's why we have small jurisdictions that are close to their people and that can form a real demos. Because some people might want to leave the UK because their national sovereignty, uh, leave the EU because they're national sovereignty fetishists uh, like me. And some people might want to leave the EU because they think they're going to be screwed over on retirement at 47. And they should both have the right to do so. I think whether you live in you know, whether you live in a, uh, a country that wants to leave the EU for right of centre reasons or for left of centre reasons, uh, you should be allowed to do so. Chris Hall says, with the end of lavish subsidies for electric vehicles in several countries such as Germany and China, there appears to be a precipitous drop in EV sales. Some manufacturers such as Ford and Tesla have tried to soften the blow by reducing prices, but forecasts of sales for this year appear to be bleak. This would, under normal circumstances, be a serious setback for our planned uh, future green utopia. However, these are not normal times. I can only see two paths forward, either a complete totalitarian transformation of our transport sector, bottling us all into 15-minute cities, or we wake up when we bump into reality and retreat from this strange experiment in trying to put millions of golf carts on the interstate. Which branch do you think will take, or is there a door number three? It's about control. Uh, it, it, it as uh, as Neil Oliver's missus says, uh, it's not about going green. It's about going without. The idea is not that you should have an alternative mode of transport uh, that does all the same things your internal combustion engine does. Uh, the idea is that you should have. I mean, just if you do the arithmetic on this, there aren't. There can never be enough batteries to power the number of electric cars needed. There can never be enough charging stations to enable you to get to anywhere in an agreed... It's, so it's about you not going anywhere. It's about you having a shrunken, smaller life. These people are serious about it. They talk like megalomaniacs bent on world domination because they are megalomaniacs bent on world domination. I contrasted what I did in Iraq, where I rented a car at Amman Airport. Uh, the guy said, uh, where are you going? And I said, oh, I'm just tootling around Amman for a couple of days. I got in the car and I went across the border into Iraq. And it wasn't uh, insured for Iraq or anything because Iraq was a war zone then. But I went in. Uh, drove the car across the border without any difficulty because it didn't have a computer. I mean, it probably had a primitive computer in it, but not like the ones they have now, that knew exactly where I was. Uh, it, it, the difference is that, that when I then rented the car in Budapest and again drove east, this time attempted to cross the border into Ukraine, it died at the border because the sat-nav or the GPS or whatever you call it knew exactly where I was. If you think that's just going to apply to the Iraq war, no, it's not. 
It's about con- these. We accept a level of control. If you go back to one of the first, the lines I most remember from my history classes as a boy, A.J.P. Taylor's fa- famous line that uh, until the First World War, the average British subject had no uh, contact with the state except when he occasionally run into uh, the village constable, or he'd take a letter into the post office to send somewhere. And that isn't true now. Uh, that the, I, I wasn't joking when I said to James Dellingpole that if I'd had my way, uh, I, I'd have lived between 1848 and the outbreak of war in August 1914. That was the height of our civilization. And it was also, uh, as A.J.P. Taylor was saying, the height of our liberties. And we have traded since across this last century, we have traded these liberties to go back to what Johnny Woodrow was saying for safety and security, for a world without the risks that led to the slaughter on the Western Front and then to the Great Depression. And the net result, the net result of that is that now we en- entirely half the population hasn't thought it through yet, but half the population thinks, oh, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have individual vehicle ownership. So it, we're going back to the way what the squire will have the electric vehicle. You're going to be on the bus. And uh, that's all you need for tootling around your 15-minute city. Uh, <laughs> that's not a that's not really the best uh, note on which to close out National uh, Tree Planting Day in Uganda. So uh, let's have a bit of music here. Uh, the last word on trees, musically speaking. Uh, is uh, is this song. It used to be one of the best-known songs and best-known poems in the English-speaking world. I first became aware of it as a thing back when I was a kid. I must have been 11 or 12, uh, and it cropped up in a P.G. Woodhouse novel I was reading, Quick Service, which is set in Loose Chippings in Sussex, and in which tale Lord Holberton is presented to us as an habitual singer of this song. Uh, And I didn't quite, I was aware I didn't quite get the joke there, so I went and looked for the song and discovered it started as a very famous poem by Joyce Kilmer, whom I assumed was a woman. Wrong. He was just doing that American thing where all the girls have boys' names, uh, Sidney Powell, and all the boys have girls' names, Joyce Kilmer. Uh, That terrific Australian show, uh, Rake, (laughs) which is a fantastic show, particularly if you're in uh, court as often as I am. It's a fantastic show to watch. If you haven't seen Rake, Start with season one, episode one, uh, and you'll uh, you'll enjoy it. Uh, but the, but but uh, that show down in Australia once got an entire episode out of that joke. Uh, that unlike Australia or Britain or anywhere else in America, the girls have boys' names and the boys have girls' names. Anyway, Joyce uh, turned out to be a bloke, and in 1913 he wrote this poem, which quickly became, for a very long time as poetry critics were wont to despair, the one poem everybody knew. And just under a decade later, a fellow called Oscar Rasback set it to music. And in fact, we play it quite a bit on the 100 Years Ago show. It's not a pop song, but a rather self-conscious art song, 
uh, that became phenomenally popular with operatic voices, not just Paul Robeson and Nelson Eddy, but amateur tenors and sopranos at uh, village hall entertainments around the English-speaking world. And they'd usually do it as you'd expect. I think that I shall never see. Uh, But I'm in the mood for something a little peppier today. So here is the great British band leader Billy Cotton and the boys in 1931. Happy Uganda National Tree Planting Day. are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. Not sure that's true, but then, as I said earlier, I live in a state with plenty of trees and not a lot of poetry. Words by Joyce Kilmer, music by Oscar Razback, performed by Billy Cotton and his band with vocal refrain by Cyril Grantham. Don't you miss the days when pop singers were called Cyril? 
An unusual version of Trees for 1931, one of the most famous songs on the planet for much of the 20th century, and now almost entirely forgotten. Billy Cotton became the hugely successful host of Billy Cotton's Band Show on BBC Television, which always began with his catchphrase, Wakey, wakey! Oh, can't do that after my heart attack. And then straight into his theme tune, Somebody Stole My Gal. So it was, wakey, wakey, ba-na-na-dee-na-na. When my kids started at grade school, it was sometimes difficult to rouse them in the mornings. Uh, Many of you uh, will have this problem. Um... So for no particular reason, I bang on their bedroom doors, rat-a-tat-tat, and then yell, wakey, wakey, ba-da-da-dee-da-da. Billy Cotton died decades before they were born, so they had no knowledge of the cultural illusion or even that it was a cultural illusion at all. But it did the job. It uh, annoyed them. Sometimes it terrified them. Uh, But it got them out of bed. Uh, And even though they're a little older now, uh, you know, so they've reached that teenage thing where they're up on the Internet till three in the morning and then want to stay in bed till 11.47. I still uh, do it occasionally. But I remember once uh, driving along and uh, Fat Swaller came on the radio singing Somebody Stole My Girl and it gave them a hell of a start because they'd had no idea that my uh, child abuse wake-up call was an actual song. Happy Ugandan National Tree Planting Day to you. Rick McGuinness's Saturday movie date, Tal Backman on Sunday, and more of The Mark Stein Show on Monday, all coming up at Stein Online. You can't really yell wakey-wakey and then go into, I think that I shall never see a poor lovely as a tree but what the hell let's go for it wikey wikey stay safe stay free stay well Clubland Q&A is a production of Mark Stein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media.
rights reserved.